Good morning, Orlando. We're glad you're with us right off the top on a Friday morning for our first look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning a missing Tennessee teen is found with her teacher in California, and North Salmon's trial date is pushed back. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. A terrorist attack in Paris, a live report. First up this morning on Good Morning Orlando. Good Friday morning. It's 6.01 on News Radio 1025. The sheriff of Northern California's Siskiyou County is detailing the arrest of a Tennessee teacher accused of kidnapping his 15 year old student. Shortly after 9 30 a.m., Mr. Cummings exited the cabin and was taken into custody by our SRT members without incident. Sheriff John Lopey said they arrested 50-year-old Tad Cummins and safely recovered Elizabeth Thomas yesterday morning after getting a tip on their location. They were found at a remote cabin about 100 miles south of the Oregon border in Cecilville. Two loaded handguns were recovered at the scene. Cummins has been booked on fugitive warrants and he'll be arraigned today. Cummins was Elizabeth's teacher in Tennessee. The two were last seen March 13th when they disappeared. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Overseas, ISIS is claiming responsibility for the deadly attack in Paris that left a police officer dead and two others injured. This man said he saw the shooting unfold. Just the three guys come down in the Audi car and shoot the police and kill one of the police and one is injured. French President Francois Hollande said that the attack on the historic Champs-Élysées was terror-related. A terrorism investigation into the incident has been opened. There are reports the suspected shooter who was killed during the attack was known to authorities. Investigators are still trying to determine if anyone else was involved. The shooting takes place just a few days before a presidential election in France. The first round of voting will take place on Sunday. It's a four-way race and is considered France's most unpredictable vote in decades, something we here in America can well understand. In the meantime, because of that attack, at least three French presidential candidates are putting their campaigns on hold after yesterday's attack on police officers where one officer was killed and two others were wounded. And stay with us here because in a moment we're going to go to our foreign desk where one of our cop uh, correspondents will give us the very latest on the uh, terrorism in Paris. Coming right up. In local news, the trial date against Noor Salman is pushed back to next year. An Orlando federal judge yesterday agreed to requests from federal prosecutors and attorneys for the wife of the Pulse nightclub shooter to push back courtroom proceedings to March 2018. Salman is charged with aiding and abetting her husband in his plot where he killed 49 people last June. Apparently, the discovery from the prosecutors includes some 100,000 pages of evidence. The brain of Aaron Hernandez is being donated to science. His lawyer, Jose Baez, says the former football star's brain will go to Boston University to study the concussion-related disease CTE. Baez said the family is hopeful that Hernandez's brain could help future football players. The convicted murderer was found hanged in his prison cell on Wednesday. And finally, former President George H.W. Bush received a special visit as he recovers from a case of pneumonia. The 92-year-old posted a picture on Twitter of himself in the hospital getting a bedside visit from his son, former President George W. Bush. The picture included the caption, quote, big morale boost from a high-level delegation. No father has ever been more blessed or prouder, end quote. 
Bush was admitted to the hospital last Friday for a mild case of pneumonia. You know, the longer he lives, the more you love and respect Bush 41, right, Deb? That Across really is Across party true. lines. And you just want to grab his cheeks He's and just... just just a good, good man. Yeah, he really is. From the inside out. Yeah, WFLA News Time 605. Check out News Radio 1025 WFLA's 50,000 watt front porch logo contest. Great prizes and bragging rights at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. From News Radio 1025, this is Good Morning Orlando. With Deborah Roberts, the Bud Man. Yaffe at the controls, and good Friday morning to you all. So much to talk about here, but we want to begin with a live report from our uh, correspondent working our foreign desk here on News Radio 1025 on the situation in Paris. Deb set the table here. We have a terrorist attack. President Trump called it very, very early on and turns out to have been exactly right. It looks like this is radical Islamic terrorism in Paris. All the way. The very latest before we get into a host of hot topics locally and nationally. And, of course, we will be taking your calls all morning at 407-916-5400. Text line open always at 23680. We're glad you're with us from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. The latest on the terror attack in Paris just ahead. That in Orlando's news, weather and traffic updated in just two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Deb set it up here for us. We've got a terrorist attack, radical Islam, at work in Paris, just virtually on the eve of the critically important elections there. Let's get the very latest on all of this with developments changing by the hours as we go to News Radio 1025 correspondent Bill Zimfer working our foreign desk. Bill, welcome back to Good Morning Orlando. We're glad we could get you on this morning. Good morning, Bill. What can you tell us? Well, uh, the latest is that uh, this has been confirmed as a as a terror attack. Uh, the suspect has been identified. ISIS has claimed responsibility. And uh, we have one officer dead, two others wounded, a female tourist was also injured in the incident, which, which took place right along the Champs-Élysées uh, around 9 o'clock local time in France. The gunman targeting police. There's no doubt about that. Stepped from a car uh, pull, after pulling up behind a police van, got out and opened fire on police in the van with an automatic weapon. Uh, he was then shot and killed by police. And ISIS uh, almost immediately claimed responsibility for this. They claim he is one of their quote-unquote soldiers a guy out of Belgium. Uh, the yep. name I'm seeing is Abu Youssef. Is that is that still what they're going with? Well, that that's how ISIS has identified him. French authorities have identified him by a different name. 39-year-old Karim Shurfi, which I'm not sure I have the pronunciation right, but he is someone that is very familiar to French authorities, had been arrested in February on suspicion of plotting to kill police, but released because of a lack of evidence, and he was convicted back in the early 2000s for attacking a police officer and did serve time in prison then. So he is someone very familiar to French authorities, uh, but but uh, he is uh, supposedly, if, uh, to, if you listen to ISIS, a soldier of Islam. Is he a lone wolf? They believe there are others in on this that they're still looking for or what? 
Well, there was a second suspect who had been identified who later turned himself into police in Belgium. He was let go after it was determined he were not involved. But that part of the investigation is still continuing to try to find out if there were others involved. Of course, earlier this week, two people were arrested in Marseille in France for plotting violence in advance of the presidential elections there. So that investigation, that aspect of it is continuing. Yeah, absolutely. They've had a terrible problem with radical Islamic terrorism throughout Europe and maybe worse in France, more frequent attacks, the massive ones that have killed people uh, in a well in excess of 100 per incident a couple of times. Now, let me ask you about the impact of this on the upcoming first round of elections at the end of this weekend in France. Yeah, uh, today was to be the last day of campaigning, but the the front runners in the race have called off any activities for today. And uh, the impact, I think, is going to be substantial. Uh, your front runners, Marie Le Pen, Emmanuel Macron, and Francois Fillon, all have made this a top priority here. In fact, now Le Pen has called for the deportation of all foreign nationals on the terror watch list in France. And Macron has uh, called for the formation of an anti-ISIS task force. And uh, all of the front runners are now saying we got to do more to shore up our borders in France because you're right 230 people killed in terror incidents in France in the last two years yes that's absolutely right any closing words uh, from the foreign desk this morning Bill well uh, it's just the situation that in France they are still on alert because in the past there have been terror events that have been linked together. I mean, meaning one incident followed by another, followed by another. And uh, initially they were afraid that this may be the case here, but it looks like this may have been an isolated incident. All right. Thank you so much. Working the foreign desk for us, News Radio 1025 correspondent Bill Zimfer. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. Anytime. Yep, absolutely. Great to have you with us. Bill Zimfer's terrific, Yaffe. You got to love him. This guy is rock solid. We've gotten him on a couple of times recently. And uh, he's a real, he's a real. Yeah, I agree. Pro. I like him. Yeah, that that that's the latest we have. Um, you know, and I, I I definitely you get the sense that whoever is talking tougher this weekend among the candidates for president in France is going to absolutely have have an edge in the elections. Talking tough on on radical Islamic terrorism because the French and the rest of the Europeans have not been tough enough. Well, yeah, and he said, what was the number, 230 in the past two yeah, years? That, yeah. That's a lot. Oh, absolutely. And uh, we, had, we, had the, we had the truck, the guy who ran wild with a truck yep. down in Nice and killed all of those people. And then in the clubs in Paris, we had more than 100 who were killed there. And, and, the, and the body count here is small by comparison, but no, it could have been a whole lot worse. This guy had a fully loaded AK-47, and, and he's been a bad actor for years. He probably should have been behind bars but they were just a little bit too reticent uh, and and too soft to pick him up. So at any rate, you are now up to date, as up to date as you can be, and that's what we like to do no matter what we're talking about here, on the aftermath of the radical Islamic terrorist attack in Paris. President Trump, when he walked into his news conference yesterday, Yaffe with the um, Prime Minister of Italy at the White House, had just connected to what was going on and said, you know, there it is, radical Islamic terrorism again. That's what it looks like, and it never ends. And boy, the mainstream media just absolutely ripped him. Well, you can't be sure it's radical Islamic terrorism. This could be common crime, you know, whatever else. Turns out the president absolutely was on the money. It looked like radical Islamic terrorism to me right off the top, and it did to the president, too. And uh, he was right. Now, 
Maybe it's not over for repealing and replacing Obamacare in the early months of the Trump presidency. The new plan, what we know about it, and whether or not this can actually pass the House of Representatives. This may be coming at us real soon, so we're going to talk about it here in a moment. And tax reform as well. An interesting approach to getting that done that conservatives are pitching to the president. And I like what they're saying. We'll talk about it coming up. So Congress returns from the long Easter recess next Tuesday. And yesterday in his news conference with the Italian prime minister at the White House, President Trump said, you know what? We never gave up on repealing and replacing Obamacare. We're coming back with a new plan here that we've got all figured out. We're getting with the Republican leadership. And, uh, you know, he really wants a vote on this sometime next week. You know, Ryan and the rest of the crowd aren't so sure that they're going to be able to move at that rate of speed. Um, And I'm not even sure that they want to. But let me tell you, according to Politico, um, here are some of the highlights of a draft that they say they have attained of this deal, even though the legislation is not actually written yet. And until it's written, they can't they you know, they can't try to whip votes for this thing. They got to have 216. The issue is they need to try to attract moderates and conservatives to this new legislation because they they lost votes on both end of the political spectrum the first time around. And that's why they had to pull the bill because it was never going to pass. According to Politico in the draft, they say they have the latest proposal for repealing and replacing Obamacare would allow states to apply for limited waivers that would undermine Obamacare's protections for pre-existing conditions. Now, under these waivers, states could opt out of Obamacare standards, setting minimum benefits that health plans must offer, and a requirement called community rating, forbidding insurers from charging different prices to people based on health status. Now, this is designed to attract those conservatives, Freedom Caucus, and others who wouldn't come on board last time. Um, Conservatives have pushed to eliminate um, these provisions as part of the repeal effort, contending that these coverage mandates drive up the cost of insurance, okay? States opting out of the community rating rules would be forced to set up an invisible risk-sharing program that is aimed at providing a backdrop to health plans. This gets complicated, while preventing sicker patients from being priced out of the market. The hope is that protecting insurers for the most expensive customers will bring down the cost for the rest of the risk pool. And that would allow insurers to lower premiums, which in turn would entice more customers into the individual market. That's kind of what is designed to placate the conservatives this time around and to attract votes from the moderates at the same time. The deal would allow states the option of maintaining insurance protections, uh, including community rating. I don't know, Yaffe. You really are a student of health care reform. I think that this is going to be more appealing to more people, but I don't know it's going to get them to 216 in the House. Well, unfortunately, what I've been reading about it is now the problem with this one isn't the Freedom Caucus, but the moderates don't like it. Right. So a lot of the moderates are fleeing this. He just There's such a divide in the Republican Party over this. You know, a lot of people thought Republican equaled conservative. We're finding out... The Republican doesn't always equal conservative when it comes to members of Congress. But all Republicans, you know, lined up behind the president in running on repealing and replacing Obamacare. They voted to do so knowing they could never get it passed when Obama was president because he would veto it, I think, 60 times. I know. I mean, everybody is on record ad nauseum about being committed to this. And I guess they really weren't. 
They can't get it done, Yaffe. It's going to kill the Republicans in 2018. It's going to kill them. I think you're exactly right. I still have people talk to me all the time infuriated that the Republicans can't just do what they promised to do and repeal Obamacare like they said they would. Yeah. And all this fighting is just ridiculous. It shows they weren't serious before. Yeah. Well, listen, um, we can take calls on what we've just described here that is supposedly uh, part of this new deal, okay, on repealing and replacing Obamacare. How do you think this is going to play? I've got something new on tax reform as well. A lot of conservatives are leaning now on President Trump to not try to do tax reform as a comprehensive plan, including domestic tax cuts, et cetera, but to get the corporate tax rate cut, which is simple to do and has bipartisan support and could really jumpstart the economic recovery, okay? I like what I'm seeing. I'll tell you more coming up on the backside of the news update and our business report from our good friends at Bloomberg in New York. Just ahead of Deb with the news, and she'll be focusing on a missing Tennessee teen found with her teacher in California, and ministers asking Senator Artiles here in Florida to resign now. Good Friday morning. We are so glad you're with us on Good Morning Orlando from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. I'm going to turn it over to Deborah Roberts, who's alongside me on the 50,000-watt front porch with our 630 News Update. Take it, Deb. Thank you, bud. Authorities say a tip from a caller led to the arrest of a Tennessee teacher accused of kidnapping his 15-year-old student. The sheriff of Northern California's Siskiyou County talks about his officers preparing for the arrest. SCSO, Sheriff's Office SRT, responded to the scene established a perimeter around the cabin believed to be occupied by Mr. Cummings and his juvenile female victim and elected to wait until morning to arrest the suspect. Sheriff John Lopey said they arrested 50-year-old Tad Cummins and safely recovered Elizabeth Thomas yesterday morning. Cummins was taken into custody without incident. They were found at a remote cabin about 100 miles south of the Oregon border in Cecilville. Cummins has been booked on fugitive warrants and he'll be arraigned today. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. More trouble for Miami State Senator Frank Artiles, who has admitted using racist and sexist slurs to describe some of his fellow lawmakers. He apologized on the Senate floor, but the Reverend R.B. Holmes of Tallahassee's Bethel Baptist Church says that's not enough. We're asking the Florida Senate to move with deliberate speed to address his vile and ugly outbursts. They need to expel him immediately. Holmes says words do have consequences. And we know the governor and the attorney general also want him out. I think they really want him to resign. Yes. You can expel him, but it takes a two-thirds vote. Republicans have control. He's a Republican. And we haven't thrown anybody out of the Senate as far as records show all the way back into the 1880s. So but it would be on. Yeah, that's a big deal. And, it, and it's not going away. No, and because he's not resigning. No, he says he won't. He says he is not going anywhere. We'll says see. it was a mistake. I apologize. Yeah. So we'll have to see if, if they can put enough pressure on him to voluntarily leave that. At the very least, they're going to give him a reprimand, I think, when they finish their party investigation next Tuesday. But expulsion, we'll have to see. Yeah, exactly. Florida welfare recipients and some who get food stamps could be pulled from those programs under the rules of a bill being proposed in Tallahassee. The Florida House voted yesterday to require certain work requirements to continue getting assistance. Supporters say the tougher penalties would keep people find uh, keep people from finding jobs, discourage reliance on government, and would reduce fraud. Those against House Bill 23 call it an attack on the poor. Meanwhile, Tallahassee lawmakers are taking a close look at the state's longstanding no-fault auto insurance system. 
The House has approved a proposal to repeal the system, and the uh, the Senate is considering it. The bill would eliminate a requirement for drivers to have personal injury protection or PIP protection, and they would instead have to have bodily injury coverage. Those for the change say it would reduce auto insurance rates, while those against it say the changes would shift the cost of covering auto accident injuries to health insurance companies. And finally in sports, Tiger Woods is likely done for the season after going a fourth back surgery. No timetable was given, but recovery time is typically six months. The 41-year-old hasn't competed since February. You get the idea he may be done as a competitive professional golfer, you know, given the age and the back. Yeah, exactly. Just, his back just will not get out of his way. It just no, continues and, and, to and, hamper him. Yeah, and, and you, you're constantly torquing it by definition when you swing a golf club, particularly the way the pros do. It's That's the nature of the game. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you can get these stories and more at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now. Thank you, Deb. Let's bring in John Tucker for Gina Cervetti, and he is um, handling things for us in the Bloomberg Business Report all week long from the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City. And good Friday morning, John. Hey, bud. Uh, happy Friday to you, finally. Oh, yeah. Absolutely terrific. And there was a big bump up in stock prices yesterday. Let's talk about that and what the futures are indicating today may hold. Well, it was Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin gave a lift to stocks yesterday. He said plans to reform taxes have progressed, and he seemed to indicate that we could get tax reform uh, soon, I think is the the exact word that he used. Uh, your timing is great because we're getting the earnings from some of the big companies. Uh, General Electric, earnings per share, 21 cents a share in the first estimate. That's a beat. Uh, the estimate was for 17 cents a share. And just getting Honeywell results, first quarter earnings per share, $1.66. Uh, that's another beat. The estimate was for uh, $1.62. So a four-cent beat there, stock index futures. Uh, they're a little higher right now, S&P futures, but up a point. The Nasdaq futures, nine points higher. And the Dow futures, they are relatively unchanged right now. And I understand we're going to get a, a handle on existing home sales later on today? Yeah, uh, among the economic reports yep. we get. And uh, one of the things that our analysts are telling us, the warm weather is going to give a boost uh, to existing home sales. Uh, because, uh, yeah, well, as you know, in the rest of the country, what's well, always warm in Florida and nice. But uh, the rest wonderful. of the country, it Boy, was uh, relatively mild as well. So good for builders. Hey, listen, um, on the um, on the Bloomberg radar scope this morning, a really scary warning from a billionaire investor to anybody who's heavily invested in stocks. Tell us about it. Yeah, this is Paul Tudor Jones. Uh, we pay attention to him because he's a billionaire and he's a, a very smart guy. He's kind of a, a legend in uh, macro trading. He says that years of low interest rates, thank you, Federal Reserve, have bloated stock valuations to a level not seen since 2000. You remember 2000? Yeah. <laughs> right before the NASDAQ. Yeah, the bubble. Uh, tumbled 75%. Oh, so. yeah, that is scary. But you know what? i got to tell you, it. Uh, I get a different opinion from everybody I talk to. Paul Tudor Jones, a really smart guy who's got a, a great history in the stock market. But, mm -hmm. you know, it kind of depends on, on who you ask, whether we're looking at a bubble or we're looking at stocks going higher. Got it. I've only got about a minute. Um, we've got some problems for Subway and Tesla and Deutsche Bank. If you want to cruise through those, um, take your pick. 
Subway closing hundreds of locations in 2016, the biggest retrenchment in franchise history. They're coping with a sales slowdown. Uh, Tesla recalling nearly two-thirds of the vehicles it made last year. They're replacing faulty electronic parking brakes. And, yeah, big fine for a big bank. Deutsche Bank hit with the Federal Reserve's first major fine for failing to ensure traders abide by the Volcker rule. $157 million. How's that for a fine? Man, oh man. Probably chump change for Deutsche Bank, but that yeah, sounds like a lot lunch, of know? money to me. Yep. Thank <laughs> you, John Tucker. In for Gina Cervetti with a Bloomberg report out of New York City. Have a great weekend, John. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Yep. Good deal. And on our end as well, he does a terrific job. Real pros. He's got real good pipes, too, doesn't he? For a stock guy? Man, oh man. Anyway, makes me sound like a Vienna choir boy, Yaffe. Well, uh, not quite. No. <laughs> anyway, Matt's got to comment on the uh, the refined repeal and replace Obamacare legislation that is taking shape right now, and also um, a really interesting approach to tax reform to really get something done for President Trump um, by breaking apart overall comprehensive tax reform into one key element, and I think I like what I'm seeing. I'll share it with you. We'll have that in Orlando's News Weatherman Traffic here in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Matt, I'm coming to you on what we know about the uh, legislation taking shape to take another shot at passing a repeal and replacement of Obamacare. Stay with me on that. But um, tax reform has been pushed back. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, as John Tucker was telling us on the Bloomberg report, sounding optimistic this week. Uh, yesterday, uh, talking about, you know, I think we're bringing this all together. We're going to get something done. Um, but they are they are pressuring some conservatives who did an op-ed in the New York Times on Wednesday. Uh, Steve Forbes, Larry Kudlow, Art Laffer, Steve Moore. These are all Trump supporters, okay? Telling the president, if you want a major accomplishment tax reform related, don't go for the whole ball of wax, domestic tax cuts and cutting the corporate tax, okay? Do the corporate tax. It is easy to do, you know, and and we have the highest corporate tax were, uh, uh, rate just about in the world. And, uh, you know, cut it from 35 to 15 or 20, whatever can politically get done, and it will just absolutely light up the economy. And you can get that done because it's a lot simpler and then go for the rest of tax reform downstream. And Yaffe, it makes sense to me, and I'll tell you why it makes sense to me. If the economy really starts soaring, and I think it will when you cut the corporate tax rate and take the shackles off business, okay? It's more, more than about deregulating, which the president is doing to help business. Then his approval ratings will go through the roof. Because that always happens. The better the economy, the better the approval ratings for the president. Then he's got more clout to get the other stuff he wants to get done, including the rest of tax reform. I agree with that. I actually like this idea, and I, I frankly think they should make the sh- do the same approach to health care. Do health care bit by bit instead of just all at once. So if they do it with taxes and it works, they can do the same with health care. Uh, it doesn't sound like that's where they're headed, but let's go to Matt in Claremont on what we know about this uh, draft legislation to take another shot at getting enough votes to pass a repeal and replacement of Obamacare in the House maybe next week. Matt, good morning. Well, good morning, bud. The problem I have with the whole thing that Rand Paul is talking about, he wants he wants an employer-based system to continue. And our companies just can't afford these mandates, and they're at a disadvantage. The advanced premium tax credit is good, but you have to pay for it with a border tax. And I think that's where Trump wants to go. But some of these hard-headed 
uh, tea partiers don't want to go there, but they don't well, realize that our ahead. companies are at a disadvantage. How are we ever going to get the moderates and the conservatives together on the Republican Party to do what the party has been committed to for the last eight years, repealing and replacing Obamacare? How does that get well, done? Corporate tax reform is the beginning of it because our companies need this reform. They need to bring the jobs back, you know, and we yeah. need the border tax because our because of the currency problem. It's America first. If they stick with Trump's uh, grand plan, it, it'll be a winner. Gotcha. Thank you, Matt, very much. Hey, we're going to take a little bit of break from the heavy-duty topics of the day, and we got all kinds of great stuff coming in our final two hours together. But a little bit of a back-off-the-gas timeout to play the sound judgment game with a great prize on the line. We're going to have some fun with this one. Give us a call right now. You can play and win. 407-916-5400. Sound judgment calls only, please. 407-916-5400. As we continue um, from the Frontgate Realty Studio, visit laurahasthebuyers.com. All right, Yaffe, we're ready to go with a really fun edition of our Daily Sound Judgment Game. Terrific prize we've been offering all week long, and it's up for grabs for our winner today. Yes, you can win a pair of tickets to the International Christian Film Festival 2017, which is May 4th through the 6th at the Wyndham Resort in Orlando. There's an opening night party, red carpet, award ceremony, networking seminars, and it will showcase over 70 films throughout the event. Go to www.internationalcff.org for details. All right, if you've been following the news, you ought to be able to win this um, great prize to the biggest Christian film festival in the world and it's right here in Orlando, and it's coming up, and these producer passes give you the run of the place the whole weekend. There's nothing like it. Very valuable, coveted prize. Now, um, if somebody gets a wrong answer, we've got a full bank of uh, callers right now, you can, uh, you can get in and win in a later round. 407-916-5400 is the number you'll need to call. Here we go. A brand-new drink being sold by a national chain is making headlines this week. It's also making an employee crazy because the drink, he says, is so hard to make. I want you to listen to this epic rant. And we had to bleep it every time he names the product. Otherwise, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have a game to play here. And then use your sound judgment to give us the name of the drink and the stores that sell it. Please don't get it. I have never made so many in my entire life. My hands are completely sticky. I have crap all in my hair and on my nose. I have never been so stressed out in my entire life. It has been insane. <laughs> if you love us as baristas, don't order it. It's so difficult to make right after the other. And people were coming in left and right, drive through and in the front. We don't know which type of go where. We just hand them out. So, for the love of God and everything that is good, don't get the All right, there it is. That's an employee saying, don't order this drink. It's too hard to make. I love that guy. Did it in his car, and we bleeped it, so you'd have to guess the name of the drink and the place that sells it. Been making a lot of news this week. Let's find out if we have a winner on line one. Go ahead, line one. I'm just going to guess, uh, I'll just guess Starbucks. 
And it's some kind of sticky coffee, I guess, some kind of latte or something. Oh, boy, you're on the right track, but you got to name the drink. 407-916-5400. There's the open line. You can win. Line two, go ahead, name the drink in the place. Well, obviously it's Starbucks, but I don't know what the drink. I, I would say right. Frappuccino. Yeah, you're even more on the track, but I got to have the full name of the drink. It's all over the network news this week. And this guy works there. Go ahead, line three. What's the name of the drink and the place that sells it? Uh, is it the Unicorn Frappuccino from Starbucks? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That pink drink. I told Yaffe, don't try it. He wants to try it because real men don't drink pink drinks, for crying out loud. <laughs> but that's what it is. And the guy says it's a nightmare from behind the counter for the baristas. Congratulations on winning our prize this morning. Thank you, thank you. Nice job. You're really low-key. I hope you enjoy the Christian Film Festival. It's going to be awesome. Those oh, passes. No. It's going to be like you run the show. I mean, it's just it's fantastic, um, and we're proud to give it out to you. I'll, I'll accompany this with a note of congratulations for winning our game on Sound Judgment, if you'll be kind enough to give me your first name. Josh. Josh, where are you calling in from, buddy? Calling in from Orlando. Fantastic. Don't go away. Yaffe's busy in the control room. He'll get with you off air to make all the arrangements. It is the unicorn frappuccino at Starbucks. Yaffe, don't do it. Don't do it. You'll ruin the, the day of a barista, but don't do it. <laughs> but I want to try it. Oh, it's nasty. I frappuccinos. Uh. Good morning, Orlando. Friday morning on the 50,000-watt front porch at 7 o'clock as we give you the very latest on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, a missing Tennessee teen is found with her teacher in California. And how does Florida rank on a health index? We'll have the details in one minute. Should Florida's convicted felons have their voting rights restored? Looks like you're going to have a chance to vote on that. We're talking about it next on Good Morning Orlando. Good Friday morning at 7.03 on News Radio 102.5. A former Tennessee teacher suspected of kidnapping a student is under arrest and the student is safe in California. Siskiyou County authorities say they arrested 50-year-old Tad Cummins and safely recovered Elizabeth Thomas yesterday morning after getting a tip on their location. Sheriff John Lopey describes recovering Elizabeth. The female victim exited the cabin and was walking behind Mr. Cummings at this time. She was detained at the scene for her protection and to facilitate further investigation and the initiation of victim services. Authorities say Elizabeth was physically unharmed, but they declined to comment on her emotional well-being or where the pair has been since they vanished last month. Tennessee Bureau of Investigation Director Mark Gwynn said Elizabeth will be flown back to Tennessee to be reunited with her family. At the same time, he says investigators, including the FBI, are on their way to Northern California to continue their investigation. The two were last seen March 13th when they disappeared. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Florida has learned a lot from its brushes with hurricanes. That finding is reflected in a new health index, which measures a state's readiness to deal with public health emergencies. Florida does extremely well uh, compared to the nation in uh, disaster response, gearing up your emergency preparedness areas. And I know from my work in public health that Florida is just an exemplar in what you do with your early warning systems and response for uh, hurricanes. Alonzo Plough is with the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, which compiled the index. It looked at everything from flu vaccination rates to food inspectors and a number of hospitals. 
Florida overall ranked as well as the nation as a whole. Meanwhile, that wide system over the central Atlantic has developed and strengthened further, and the National Hurricane Center officially named this uh, subtropical storm what was a subtropical storm yesterday, Arlene. This is the first tropical system of 2017. Arlene joins Tropical Storm Anna back in 2003 as the only two named storms in the month of April. Arlene holds maximum sustained winds of about 45 miles per hour and moves to the west-northwest at 25 miles per hour. Not at all a threat to the U.S. coastline. Sure is early, though, isn't it, Yeah, it is. Again, we have to go back 14 years before you'll find another storm forming in in April. Yeah. Official season doesn't start till June 1st, but the storms don't know that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. We have forgot. We constantly forget to get them a calendar. It's I know. Terrible. It's too early. Yeah, early. Exactly. Stop it. And uh, finally, this morning, CVS is making some more changes in its stores. The drugstore chain is now removing the candy counter. What? Yes. Didn't they get rid of cigarettes? Yes, they did. So this uh, the aim is to make more room for nu- more nutritious and healthy food products. They say they can't be in the business of health if you're then going to sell those products. That end up ruining your health. Wow. Okay. So if you need your cigarettes and your candy, join me at Walgreens. That's where I'll be hanging out. (laughs) Keeping it real. (laughs) You're the best. I love that. WFLA (laughs) News Time 707. Hey, read about News Radio 1025 WFLA's 50,000 watt front porch logo contest. We want to see what your vision of our front porch looks like. And you got a great list of uh, not only prizes, but bragging rights as we use your drawing on all our future promotional products. You can see all the details at 1025wfla.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. The Bud Man, the Dev Meister, and Yaffe with you here from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. I have long crusaded for Florida to join most of the rest of the states in the union. Yeah. In restoring voting rights to convicted felons once they have served their sentence. We're one of only two states in the country that does not do this. There's actually three. It's Iowa, Kentucky, and us. Oh, okay. Yeah, country. but it's 47 who don't. It's time for us to get on board. It looks like you're going to be able to vote on this. I will vote for this. And some of you don't like it. But I will make the case in a moment. Tell me, if it's on the ballot, will you vote to restore the voting rights of Florida's convicted felons once they have paid their debt to society? I think you should, but I know some of you won't. I'll make the case why this should become the law of the Sunshine State. 407-916-50. 400, and I want to know what you think. Text line 23680. We'll dive right in on this controversy in a moment, and we'll have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic, of course, updated in only two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Florida Supreme Court has green lighted the language of a proposed constitutional amendment called the Voting Restoration Amendment. And if they get enough signatures, people in support of this, restoring the voting rights of convicted felons in Florida once they have served their time, you will be able to cast a ballot on this in the November 2018 election. And if it gets 60% support 
Florida will join almost every other state in the union in allowing a path for all convicted felons to get voting rights back that they have lost when they're, when they're convicted, of course, to get it back as soon as they finish their, their time. And I've got to tell you, I've been a proponent of this since the very beginning, and I will vote for this. All right? And the reason is very simple. Let me give you the logic here. And everything else falls by the wayside in the face of this. When somebody commits a crime and is incarcerated for it and then completes the term of the sentence, what is the expression we use? They have paid their debt to society. They've paid their debt, the whole debt. Okay? After that, everything about their life should become like your life and my life. They've paid their debt. It's just like if I owe Yaffe $5,000 and I pay Yaffe $5,000, I don't want him coming back and saying, Bud, you still owe me something. I don't owe you anything. I paid my debt to Yaffe. These people have paid their debt to society. And these voting rights should be restored. It's inherent in the concept of serving the time for the crime and having paid your debt to society. One of the things you get back, along with everything else, your freedom, your ability to drive, whatever it happens to be, your, your right to vote. It's as simple as that. 47 states get it. Why do we have a problem with this? I'll tell you, part of it is politics. Because the Republicans control the legislature, and we have a Republican governor, you don't get a lot of high-level political support for this. And why? And I understand the politics of this. The Republicans are worried, based on studies of Florida's nearly 2 million convicted felons, who would get their voting rights back if this thing becomes law. When the amendment goes on the ballot, and I'm sure it will, they'll get the signatures they need. This is going to happen in 2018, okay? And that the studies show that a lot more of those people are likely to be Democrat voters if you can get them to the polls than Republicans. I get that. I don't like that because I don't want the state politically going in the liberal direction. But I'm sorry, that can't be the reason we do not allow people to vote after they have served their time for the crime. The basics, the bottom line, you should understand, based on my little analogy about paying money to Yaffe that I owe and then not having him come back and say you still owe me something. No, you paid your debt to society, that's it, the books are balanced. That's the way it should be. That's the way it is in most of the rest of the country. It's time for Florida to get on board. I'm glad this is going to appear on the November ballot in 2018 in all likelihood, and we'll be able to vote on it. How will you vote and why? 407-916-5400. Text line 23680. Looks pretty certain that you're going to have an opportunity to vote on a constitutional amendment in November of 2018 called the Florida Supreme Court um, called the Voter Registration Amendment now. The language green-lighted yesterday by the Florida Supreme Court. If it passes with 60%, uh, it will allow ex-felons the right to vote. And I think that that is the way it should be. And I've explained it the best I can why I feel that way. 
Susan is an Oviedo on this controversy. Susan, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Fine, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Of course, you agree with me, right? Yeah. You agree with me, right? No. Really? I do not. How could anybody possibly disagree with the logic I've offered you this morning? Well, I I don't. I, I agree that certain convicts should be allowed to vote, but repeat offenders, never. Well, then, if they're repeat offenders, strengthen the sentences so they never get out. I'm fine with that. But once you paid your debt to society, that's it. The books are balanced, Susan. No, I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I disagree. All right. Thank you. I respectfully... I, I, I don't understand how anybody could possibly not get the logic the way I've laid it out here. I owe Yaffe $5,000. I pay Yaffe $5,000. He does not come back to me and say, well, wait a minute, you still owe me more money. No, I paid my debt. You did your time for the crime. Society has determined what that time ought to be. You have paid your debt to society. You get everything back, everybody else who's got on this side of the bars, including the right to vote. Stephen Orlando, go ahead on this. Yes, but I would agree with you with one caveat. I think they should have completed all of their terms, not just released from prison, but also be off of paper and have completed their probation and parole. And also one additional, those who are on the sex offender registries who are convicted felons, those who fail to register should once again have their voting rights uh, suspended. Well, if, you know, if they're doing something illegal, I agree with you. But just because they were sex offenders, I'm sorry, if they have served their time and that's it and they're out, I think they get to vote like everybody else. It's only logical, don't you think, Steve? Uh, once again, as, as long as they, they register as they are supposed to, but if it's found that they fail to register when they move, then it should be suspended. Thank you very much. Let's go to Susan. Um, and something remarkable has happened with you this morning as you've listened to the Bud Man from Castleberry. Right, Susan? That is right, Bud. I actually agree with you. I'm oh, my. <laughs> write it down on your calendar. Yeah, I've got it. The 21st <laughs> of April, 2017. History is made. Go ahead. That is right. But I actually think it needs to go a little bit further. All right. Because, um, as you may know, a lot of uh, people, when they complete their sentences, are also prohibited from... Uh, getting, for example, a license to cut hair and things of that nature. And I think that that also needs to be stopped because it's just preventing people from maybe getting gainful employment, and that could be why we have repeat offenders. Oh, very interesting take on that, Susan. Nice to have you on board with a Bud Man on your thinking here. Yaffe, your take on this issue and the text line, which I know is on fire as well as the phones. Well, Bud, uh, your logic actually does seem pretty sound. I don't know how I could possibly argue with your logic. Just as like much you as said. you'd like to milk me for more money than the 5000 I owed you this and paid you. This is very you. true. Yes, this is I very understand true. that. But looking at the text line and the <laughs> callers, frankly, I don't see how this gets 60% of the vote. What are you seeing? Because the text line is very split. Uh, a lot of people are asking this question, bud. They want to know if, if this is true, does that mean you should restore their Second Amendment rights as well? I think a lot of texters asking that question because under your logic, you would have to. Yeah, I would. So, oh, there you go. Simple answer. I like yeah, that. Paid. A lot of people are saying something like this, though. One texter says taking away the voting rights is part of the punishment. You are plain wrong, is what he says. What are you talking but, about? Of course it's part of the punishment, but then you've served the time for the crime. We say you've paid your debt to society. Don't tell that person they owe more 
or don't get rights back. Period. That's the way it needs to go. I don't know how it'll go when it ultimately gets on the ballot. I think they'll get enough signatures, people backing this, that it will be on the ballot in 2018. Guarantee you we'll be talking more about it. Um, Just ahead here, Deb's going to update our news at the bottom of the hour. Big story on a missing Tennessee teenager found with her teacher in California. She has the details. And how can this be? McDonald's Szechuan sauce? Sells for almost fifteen grand. The Debmeister updating the news. It's Good Morning Orlando on a Friday from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit LauraHasTheBuyers.com. Good Morning Orlando at seven twenty-nine. All right, you know what? Um, Deb Yaffe and I all agree that um, Florida felons should get their voting their their voting rights back, like it happens in almost every other state after they have done their time in prison for their crime. This is not conservative. This is not liberal. This is simply right or wrong, and it is simply logic, as I think I've explained. But not everybody sees it that way, Dan. No, definitely not Ron in Castleberry. Good morning, Ron. Good morning, Debbie. And also, uh, Bud, hey, listen, long-time listener, First-time caller. Yeah. Wow. Oh, we, we lit you up on this one, didn't many, we? Many years every morning. Hey, listen, yeah. and I, I normally agree, but to me, uh, voting is the cornerstone of our democracy, and it should be sacrosanct. You commit a felony, this should be one of, the more, one of the reasons why you don't commit a felony. And some people think that voting is a joke, like college kids who grab a whole bunch of absentee ballots and fill them out or seniors that vote, uh, you know, the snowbirds, they vote absentee up north and then vote. Ron, listen, I think we all here. agree that the right to vote is, is, is pretty much sacred and a cornerstone of our democracy. With all due respect, I don't think it's relevant in a case like this. True. I mean, one, all one the other point. rights got to come back to you, and this ought to come back to you as well. One last point. We really need to legislate in Washington that if you get caught voting more than once, the fine could be $10,000. All right, that's a whole other issue, and, and I'm, I'm sure you're right on that, yeah. and we can get into that another day. But, but I, you know, again, Deb, you know, it's, it's very logical to me, and I've, I've laid it all out here. It's not only logical, it, it's fair. I mean, it's like having a mortgage that you've paid off, and then, you know, the bank comes back at you and says, yeah, we want more. You know, and you have what? No recourse for right. it. That's not. It's just simply not fair. You've paid your debt. Your debt is done. You, you move on. Yep. But uh, Glenn and Moss Park has a question for us this morning. You I want to take another one? Yeah, let's take another. Go one. Go ahead. You're on a roll here. Good Go morning, ahead, Glenn. Glenn. Oh, I got to hit the button. Go ahead, Glenn. Hey there, there I am. Hey, hey, listen. I think you're you're missing maybe a portion of the point of the law. But you guys keep saying paid their debt to society. Well, that doesn't exist. That phrase does not exist in the law. What you probably should be saying is paid a portion of their debt to society. Once a prisoner gets out of prison from serving a felony term, he is still on probation. He does not get off of that. Sometimes that's five or ten years. So this is still a portion of the Senate. Now let me ask you this then. If you want a condition um, that you've got to get through probation or whatever, after that, could you vote? I think once the I think once the state has completely finalized it, I'd be a little more comfortable. Yeah. But I also have to agree with the last caller. It is the cornerstone of our foundation, and if you've proven yourself not to be a, a citizen 
that can be trusted. Are you going to let them have handguns again if they've been convicted of a felony? Well, listen, we, we got uh, with all due respect, Len, I got to let you go because we're almost we are out of time here, and Deb's got more news to bring us here. But I mean, we got an awful lot of sleazy people in this country. You can't trust any farther than you can throw them. But just because they didn't do anything that got them, land, you know, landed them in jail for ten years with a felony or something. Plus, can someone never make something of that life and end up turning it around and becoming just that type of citizen you would want at the poll? If you're a Christian, you believe nobody's beyond redemption. But that takes us down another road. Deb, what else is going on? Well, we got a, the end of the line for a Tennessee teacher, bud, accused of kidnapping a student. Tennessee authorities say former middle school teacher Tad Cummins has been arrested in Northern California. Thankfully, the female student with him is said to be safe. Uh, He'd been arrested in his car about three hours northwest of Redding, California. Uh, Elizabeth Thomas, the girl he kidnapped, was safe. The two disappeared March 13th. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. This won't take me long, bud, but a McDonald's dipping sauce from 1998. Well, you're talking about a little packet of sauce here. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. One of those things that's, you know, probably been floating around in your fridge since, you know, I've found some since 1978. What kind of sauce are we talking about it's, here? It's a, well, it's a Szechuan sauce. Okay. But how much do you think a, a, a dipping sauce from 1998 from McDonald's would sell for on eBay? Well, I only know because you gave me the headline Darn it, I wasn't sure if I did that. Up. Yeah, $14,700. <laughs> Why? The man who sold the Szechuan sauce said he found it while cleaning out an old car that he had just bought. The sauce is making a comeback due to the season three premiere of Cartoon Network's Ricky and Morty. After watching the recent episode of Ricky and Morty, the guy writes online, I went online to see if it was worth anything. Turns out it was. Oh, well, the uh, Szechuan packet or sauce did come with a packet of wasabi. Oh, I that's mean, so hot for, and nasty, that stuff. Yeah, but for 14700 at least you're getting, you know, not just Szechuan <laughs> sauce. The episode has inspired a Change.org petition to bring back the sauce, which has already garnered more than 35,000 signatures. So McDonald's says they're not ruling out the option to bring back the Szechuan sauce, but no official word just yet. Yeah, if you have to weigh in on this, you're Mr. Hot Sauce, you're into sauces of all kinds. Yeah, I but mean, he's not a wasabi fan. <laughs> I'm into sauces of all kinds. Yes. I'm a sauce connoisseur. He's huh? a saucy He's yaffy. into the sauce. I don't, I've never yaffy's had it. He's into, he doesn't even drink, and he's into the sauce. Though. Yeah, he is. <laughs> I, I, I've, never, I've never had it. I, the Szechuan sauce for me. I have no idea. I, I just would love to know the name of the person who's got $14,700 to burn on an old packet of Szechuan sauce from McDonald's. Yeah. I'm surprised what you could find like an antique store, stuff like that. Well, that's different. That has value. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, but there's stu- there's random stuff like that in antique oh. stores, like old sauces and stuff like that. It's it's weird. It is. It yep. is. And yet, you know, we love our food. That's for sure. Wild stuff, Deb. <laughs> She'll be back with more news here, top of the bottom of an hour, whenever it breaks. My partner, Deborah Roberts, here on Good Morning Orlando. You know, this can be a, a stressful job, uh, but but one of the wonderful things about it is is I get an opportunity to vent anytime I want on the topic of my choice and to get this stuff off my chest, okay? So uh, so I'll, I'll take advantage of that privilege here as your host on Good Morning Orlando to tell you what's bugging me this morning. A piece Yaffe showed me that was like waving a, you know, a red cape in front of a bull for crying out loud. Yep, that was the goal. You knew it would happen. Uh, Glenn Sight, The Blaze, the story of a 16-year-old Alabama high school kid caught by teachers with a gun and expelled from the school for an entire year as a result. Well, but man, what's wrong with that? That's what needs to happen, right? I mean, it was a gun. It was a water pistol. It was a water pistol. 
Unbelievable. Here's what's reported. Laney Nichols handed a water pistol by a fellow student. It was black, so it kind of looked like a firearm, maybe, upon first glance. Laney put the water pistol in her backpack and then put it in the back seat of her car. A student reported to school authorities that Laney had a gun after seeing the exchange with the boy. Camera monitors within the school captured footage of the exchange, and Laney was called to the office where she confessed to having the toy gun, the water pistol, in the back seat of her car. She was facing a 10-day suspension, but when the County Board of Education got a hold of this, they suspended her. They not no, they did not suspend her. They expelled her from school. She's gone for a full school year. It was a water pistol. This zero tolerance thing has gotten to the point of complete insanity, Yaffe. Yeah, now, I, mean, I mean, I can understand where they thought, okay, we need to check into this, make sure it's not a real gun. But once they found out it was a water pistol, it should have been like, okay, enough said. This is I not know. a big deal. You know, I don't, it's craziness. It is craziness. It's, it's bugging the Yaffe. I don't, I don't know. And we got to come up with something that's got an alliteration. <laughs> What's bugging the Bud Man is hard to beat, okay? All right. It's but at fair. any rate, there's something else very, very quickly before we leave, uh, get on to the Rush Morning Update and other things here. The New York Times, the sports editor, has fessed up, tried to make Trump look bad, but didn't tell the whole story. When the New England Patriots were at the White House the other day, this guy posted a photograph that seemed to show far fewer members of the team there to celebrate this Super Bowl victory than when Obama was president and the Patriots went to the White House. Okay? And indeed, in the straight-on photograph, there are more people, more players, in the Obama Patriots photograph than in the Trump Patriots photograph. But the Patriots immediately popped out a tweet and said, New York Times, you've got it wrong. In this particular instance, we had 40 members of the Patriots family seated on the lawn out in front of the president that are not visible on that picture. In the other picture with Obama, we had players going up the staircases either side of where the president was speaking, okay? But the New York Times was, oh, once again, let's get Trump. Let's get Trump. Let's make him look bad next to Obama. And they did it. And the sports editor simply writes in a tweet, I was an idiot. You know, jumped to conclusions and all of that. Anywhere else he'd be fired for something like that. It's outrageous. Of course, it'll never happen in the New York Times. They'll probably make him the CEO and the publisher. <laughs> I was about to say, probably give him a raise. He'd be promoted. Promotion, Unbelievable. Yeah. That's what's bugging me. Also, it apparently, Tom Brady didn't show up. We thought it was because his mother was so ill. Apparently it's not. His wife, who hates Trump, the supermodel, Giselle, apparently she went on a tirade about you're not going there to be with President Trump. She hates him. And apparently she kept him from going. That's what is reported. If that's true, that's really bugging the Bud Man. Tom Brady's my hero. I have a number 12 Brady jersey. Tom, for crying out loud, be a man. Suck it up. Your wife says you're not going to the White House and say, uh, trust me, I'm going to the White House, sweetheart. Plus, he's been like friends with Trump for a while. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Trump Weird. was really hurt by that if this is yeah. true. And that's what's bugging the Bud Man. Wait a minute, Yaffe, I'm supposed to feel worse after venting like better. I think I feel worse. And we'll feel better now because we're going to have the Rush Morning Update after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFL. 
We're going to need your help with an entirely different kind of topic in the 8 o'clock hour here. Our malls are dying. People have made the decision by growing millions that they would prefer to shop online. Amazon and company are killing the traditional shopping mall anchor stores, the department stores that grew up out of um, the post-war era, World War II, when people when people moved into the suburbs. And they created these giant malls with these big anchor stores and these iconic uh, companies, you know, like Sears, like JCPenney, like Macy's. Um, and now they're all dying in the face of online shopping, Amazon.com, etc. And there's no way back from this. What do we do to keep our shopping malls from becoming gutted ghostlands? Lots of creative thinking is going into this. We'll tell you some of what is happening. And, um, and I, I want your take on how do we save the shopping malls? What do we turn them into? There's no way these big stores are coming back. And if the big stores haven't died where you are, chances are it's only a matter of time. Stay with us on that. We'll be taking your calls at 407-916-5400, text line 23680. Good morning, Orlando. Good Friday morning at the top of the 8 o'clock hour. You're just in time for our update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, a missing Tennessee teen is found with her teacher in California. And Sheriff Grady Judd is not happy with an Orlando lawmaker. We'll have the details in one minute. Okay, and our shopping malls are dying. Can they be saved? If so, how would you do it? Let's talk next on Good Morning Orlando. Good Friday morning. It's 8.03 on News Radio 1025. A former teacher wanted for kidnapping a 15-year-old girl is under arrest thanks to a tip from a caller in Northern California. Tennessee Bureau of Investigation spokesman Josh Devine says the caller told the TBI he might have recently encountered 50-year-old Tad Cummins and Elizabeth Thomas. Siskiyou County, California authorities told investigators they had received a similar call from the same individual. It led them to Cummins' vehicle and to a remote cabin in a rugged area about 100 miles south of the Oregon border where they'd been staying for more than a week. They kept the vehicle under surveillance and Cummins was arrested at daybreak yesterday while Elizabeth was found unharmed. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Overseas, Defense Secretary Jim Mattis says Syria still has chemical weapons and is spreading out its warplanes. What Mattis told reporters in Tel Aviv today suggests Syria wants to make its warplanes harder to find and destroy if the U.S. launches another missile attack. American missiles hit the airbase the U.S. military believes Syria used to launch a chemical weapons attack earlier this month, killing nearly 90 civilians, including women and children. Mattis wouldn't say how much of a chemical arsenal Syrian President Bashar al-Assad's forces have, but he told reporters, quote, I can say authoritatively that they have retained some. Back stateside, attorney Jose Baez, who has represented Aaron Hernandez, who died in a prison of suicide on Wednesday, said the Boston medical examiner is holding Hernandez's brain after saying he would release it to the Boston University CTE unit per family wishes. We had made arrangements for Boston University to come today at 10 a.m. to pick up Aaron's brain. And at the last minute, they decided that that was not something they were going to do. So this is something that they don't even know what they're doing. They, get, they, they can't even get it out of their own way. 
Baez also said he is not fully convinced suicide was the reason for the former New England uh, Patriots' death. Hernandez was serving a life sentence for the murder of a semi-pro football player. He had just been acquitted of two other murder charges. After several deaths blamed on overdoses of a cocktail of heroin and fentanyl in his county, Polk County Sheriff Grady Judd is upset with Randolph Bracey, the Orlando State Senator, who chairs the Criminal Justice Committee. Mr. Criminal Justice Chair, have you talked to the victim's parents? and family that are dying? Do you just live in that glass bubble of false reality that you've crafted about this issue? Bracey removed language from a House bill requiring a minimum mandatory sentence for trafficking in fentanyl. And finally, tens of thousands of runners are converging on Walt Disney World this weekend for the marathon at Disney. The theme park is hosting Star Wars-themed races that include a 5K, 10K, half marathon, and a kids race. As many as 45,000 athletes are expected to attend, dressed in the costumes of their favorite Star Wars characters. The longest race, the half marathon, will be a 13-point one-mile course through Epcot, Animal Kingdom, and the Hollywood Studios, ending at the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex. WFLA News Time 807. Check out News Radio 1025 WFLA's 50,000 watt front porch logo contest. We've got some great prizes, and more importantly, bragging rights for you as you go forward. Our your artwork will grace all of our promotional material, but you can get all those details at 1025wfla.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Getting a lot of entries, and it's interesting. Everybody has a different idea. They know what the 50,000-watt front porch, what we call our show, sounds like, but everybody has a mental image of what that porch actually looks like. And, uh, and it's very interesting to see people depicting them any way they can, and the prizes are great. You can just go to 1025wfla.com, a keyword porch, and get in on this uh, because we're going to wrap it up about a week from now and then draw a winner in early May, Deb. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of uh, a couple of the entries I've seen so far, Bud, really kind of emulate what you said you envisioned the front porch looking like, more like a rustic cabin in the woods kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, that's kind of how I see it. Yeah, I've we seen We all kind of gather of there to talk things over. Yeah. <sighs> and it's interesting. What we're going to be talking over right now is the slow death of our major anchor stores and hence our major malls, which, you know, they are the focus of. There's no way back as everybody decides to shop. Not everybody, but so many decide to shop online. Bricks yeah. and mortar stores are dying. And uh, there are some creative uses now for these empty former anchor stores, you know, like Macy's or whatever else is going out, et cetera. And, uh, and, and, and we're going to talk about it and, and what you would do um, here in Central Florida uh, to find a new use for these abandoned big mall stores. Because I know like out at the West Oaks Mall out in Ocoee, which was the mall I shopped at for years, yeah. it used to be so hard trying to find a parking spot. Now it's crickets. Yep. A lot of businesses are moving in and maybe putting their call centers in the empty Dillard store or, you yep. know, customer service center in the empty Sears store. But you're right, bud. These are great big behemoth buildings that are just being left open, and there should be something we can find to put good use to them. Well, the Oviedo Mall has a creative plan. Fashion Square is trying something. You talked about West Oaks. Um, What would you do to save our dying malls, to revive them, let's say? There's no way back. The anchor stores are not coming back. The free market is voting for online shopping, and that's it for so many of these iconic Names like Sears is going to be gone soon, I think, from many locations. If it isn't already gone where you are, 
and on and on it goes. We've lost Kmart, and uh, Macy's is going out, 407-916-5400. What do we do with these giant mall spaces that are now empty? 407-916-5400. Love your creative thinking. We'll tell you some of what is out there already being tried. That in Orlando's news, weather and traffic in two minutes here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. There is a relentless, growing, and irreversible shift going on in the free market here. As Americans in greater numbers all the time decide they would rather shop online. Amazon.com has led the way with this, but they're not nearly alone, of course. Rather than in physical stores. As a result, bricks and mortar stores, iconic names like Sears, like Macy's, absolutely on the ropes, closing stores left and right. The Macy's closed last month in the Oviedo Mall. I think Sears right next door is probably going to be next. Um, this kind of thing is going on all over the place, and there, there, there's no way to put that genie back in the bottle. I mean, people want to shop online. They have, they've decided they, they're comfortable with that technology, okay, more and more. So what do we do? you got a couple of options with all of these empty anchor stores at these malls. Hit them with a bulldozer. Knock them down. You know, that's it. Or find another use. And increasingly, they've turned these empty mall stores into everything from schools to apartments to offices to churches, community colleges, car dealerships, community centers hosting all kinds of events. Um, What would you do to save our area malls that are slowly dying? We'll tell you what Oviedo's doing in a moment, but I'm intrigued with this call, our first caller on the topic of saving the malls or reusing the now empty uh, anchor store space. Leon and Umatilla. Good morning, Leon. Good morning, bud. The reason I say that is nobody stepped forward, and I don't recall you or anyone else saying that we should save the mom-and-pop stores that the malls destroyed during the 50s and 60s. That's a great point. Like downtowns across the country were just ended up boarded up, and everybody went out to the mall. You're right. Of course, I wasn't on the radio back then, but you raise a really great point. What would you do, just bulldoze these empty mall stores? Do nothing. Let the malls either save themselves or, since this is a free market, a competitive market, let the real estate market determine if there's another highest and best use. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. And I think when you've got structure like that, I mean, you could certainly turn that into a school a lot cheaper than building a school from the ground up, couldn't you, Leon? Yes, absolutely. But let the market operate and let the owners of the malls and the Sears and all that save themselves. Don't get the public involved in it. Well, I'll tell you what. Thank you. I appreciate you for joining us. And that's a very provocative thought. Where do you come? Folks, you're watching malls slowly die all around us here. There's no way to bring it back the way it was. Um, and, and, and this trend is just going to continue. Or it's going to get more extreme. We just can't leave these empty buildings out there forever, that's for sure. What's the highest and best use, as Leon suggested? In the Oviedo Mall, uh, where they've just lost Macy's, and I think probably in the next year or two they're going to lose Sears right next door. That's always been a mall that's had problems. Some of the other ones, like 
Fashion Square Mall. Yaffe is in on what's been going on there. West Oaks has been struggling as well, and others perhaps along around the area where you are. The owners, uh, the new owners of the Oviedo Mall, have added escape rooms, which is an interesting concept, a children's museum, and restaurants as part of their planning for filling up the space once occupied in and around Macy's, which closed in March. Big entertainment space called Arcadia. They're talking about maybe a, a small bowling alley, virtual reality gaming, restaurants, etc. maybe even a brewery in the space, a sports bar. Um, what would you do to find another use for our, our mall anchor stores that are slowly just becoming empty Breweries are becoming really popular. It's actually yeah. a good idea. Yeah, four zero seven nine one six fifty four hundred. Text line two three six eight zero. Get Yaffe's take on what's going on at Fashion Square Mall and yours as well. Here in a moment. One of our oldest malls is Orlando's Fashion Square Mall on Fifty on Colonial on the east side of town. Now, Orlando's Fashion Square Mall has been struggling. They filed for bankruptcy late last year. They recently turned the property over to its lender, and it looks like something's going on out there, just as the new owners of the Oviedo Mall are finding creative uses for their abandoned big stores, Yaffe. Yeah, I like to go to Fashion Square Mall because I like the movie theater. It's one of the best-priced movie theaters in town, so I really I go there every now and then. But there's no doubt it's struggling. A lot of the stores aren't there. So what they have done is they put a bowling alley in there, and there's also a bar and restaurant right next to that. They also put a gym in there, and I believe they're actually going to put a hotel right connected to it and more restaurants. So it's kind of interesting approach there. Yeah, it seems to me uh, with these malls that, that you could do something with a, a hotel with apartments or whatever. Uh, I like the idea right. of apartments because you've got people permanently there who are paying rent, but then who can also go and conveniently shop without having to go outside. You know, might be particularly good for seniors put some kind of a supermarket in there, and you'd never have to go outside. You'd never have to drive your car. You know, it would be just like a – you could be all self-contained. What are these escape rooms that they're going to in some of these abandoned mall spaces, Mike? Well, escape rooms have gotten really popular around town in different areas, and it's you know it's basically an entertainment thing where you go in with a group and you have to try to figure out clues to escape from the room. You know, you see a clue that unlocks a safe, you unlock the safe, it has a key to another room, stuff like that. A lot of people do. It's gotten really popular. So the Vito Mall, you said, wants to do something like that. Yeah, they're talking that about could, it. That could do well. It depends on the location. It tends to do better in, like, tourist areas. Yeah. But um, we'll all, see. The, all this existing structure should not be bulldozed. We just need to get creative, you know? Times have changed. Let's find another way to use that space and realize some real economies and provide things that people really want. And it's good to see that people aren't just giving up. And giving up means bringing in the bulldozer, okay? Now, on the text line, are we getting any feedback there, Mike? Uh, yeah, one person says, uh, plain and simple, cheaper prices. They think the malls are just too expensive. It's an interesting point. Another well, cheaper prices is part of the appeal of shopping through Amazon.com yeah. beside Beside the um, beside the convenience of it all, having something delivered to your door without you even having to leave the house, right? And and that's a that's another nail in the coffin is is the the economics of all of that and the convenience. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, one person said I've seen some places putting a grocery store like Aldi 
in a mall. So you can do all your shopping at once. Yeah. Uh, one person said you can make it into like a night spot with some small stores, but as you can turn them into bars or in fast food and have clubs in there. You see that a lot downtown areas now, so it could transfer to the malls. I think. Yeah, Tom, um, welcome to the conversation on this, and good morning from Orlando, Tom. Oh, good morning. Uh, this might sound a little bit weird or crazy, but um, <clears throat> first of all, uh, in order to get people to come to the mall and do their shopping, you got to give them a reason other than just purchasing items. Uh, so, uh, kind of an incentive. Uh, so I think that probably, what, what would you uh, do? Issuing lottery tickets. Now it sounds kind of crazy. What is this now? Them. What and what do we do with lottery tickets in the mall? What? Well, issue lottery tickets based on the amount of purchase. For example. A twenty-five dollar purchase, one lottery ticket. Uh, a hundred dollar purchase, five lottery tickets. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, otherwise, uh, otherwise, you know, there, you, you got to give people a reason other than just purchasing items. Interesting. Thank you for that, uh, Tom. I appreciate it. Danny, you're a commercial real estate broker. Am I right on that? Yes. Uh huh. It's been great here. to have you with us. You really will lend some perspective and expertise that I think we need here. Go ahead on this issue of making use of abandoned mall space. Well, first of all, the reason why the abandoned mall space is happening is because that Amazon does not have to compete by paying a base rent of anywhere between twenty and forty dollars a square foot. Okay. And not only that, they uh, they don't have to pay for staffing. So you've got to pay for, uh, for the yeah. lights. The staffing, the square footage, and all of a sudden you're outside the economics, and you you look over and you you see a uh, a boombox at a uh, at a uh, at a mall, yeah. and you and it says uh, two hundred and forty dollars. You look at Amazon, and it says one forty seven. It's the same brand, same. Oh, model. I I totally get it, and and you're just you're giving us another angle on that aspect of it. There's no road back on this. There's no question no, about it. Now you tell me though. I want I need your expertise. As a commercial real estate broker, what's the highest and best use of abandoned stores like Macy's or Sears or whatever else sure, is going out? Sure, sure. There was some discussion uh, years ago that the best, the highest and best use for West Oaks Mall, which was basically decimated by the fact that you got roaming teenagers walking around, oogling, oogling all the women who carry the purses, and they did. And my wife in particular yeah. says, "I don't like this." Yeah, I understand well, that, but what do we do with the space? Okay, so you could do senior care. You could, you could, you touched on that just briefly a moment ago. You yeah. could actually do a senior center. You could actually do a uh, independent living where the people can get out, walk around. They're, they're in an air conditioned environment. Ninety five degrees won't hurt them, won't harm them. Yeah, some kind of assisted living facility might be a natural there. Thank you very much, boy. I wish we could talk more, but we got to stay on the clock at the bottom of the eight o'clock hour. We're going to get a news update from Deb on a missing Tennessee teen found with her teacher in California. And this is an interesting story. A Utah dad has gone viral after wetting his pants just to make his embarrassed little girl feel better about what she did. It's coming up in Good Morning Orlando at the bottom of the 8 o'clock hour. All right, my co-host and partner Deborah Roberts is alongside me right now. She's going to update us all on the latest news at the bottom of the 8 o'clock hour. And go ahead, Deb. Well, finally, some good news when it comes to news. A Tennessee teen has been found safe yeah. after being found in Northern California with the teacher accused of kidnapping her. Tad Cummins is under arrest after disappearing with 15-year-old Elizabeth Thomas on March 13th. The 50-year-old Cummins and Elizabeth were found yesterday at a remote cabin about 100 miles south of the Oregon line. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. 
you know, stories with kidnapped kids don't always end really good. So. No, they don't. And it was great to see that this one did because I didn't feel it going that way for a while. I didn't either. And a lot of people, law enforcement, yeah. parents, other officials were, you know, all holding our breath and waiting. You ready mm-hmm. for some more good news oh, on our Friday? Oh, yes, absolutely. A little feel-good Friday action. A Utah dad is getting a lot of love on social media, bud, after trying to reassure his daughter that it was okay that she wet her pants in school. Ben Sowert says his daughter called him in tears last week after the embarrassing incident during her kindergarten class. Oh, it happens. It happens, of course. Sowert says he just wanted to make his little girl smile. So what's a dad to do? He put water on the front of his pants before heading to her Cedar City school. Oh, I don't know if I would do that for my kids as much as I love them. I know. That would be be embarrassing, but he didn't care. He wanted to... He wanted... To um, help her handle her exactly. embarrassment. Exactly. Oh, His end so game was, I'll put my pride on the line if it means it helps save my daughter's I pride. I love this. Dad and uh, daughter took a picture together showing the prominent stain, and it was tweeted by the girl's older sister. The photo has been liked and shared by more than a quarter of a million people, and I'm sure it will continue to be popular again today. Well, we're only a couple of months into the year. He gets my early vote for Dad of the Year. Yes, absolutely. Same here. Neat. Another feel-good story. A mother of two and a 20-year-old man might seem like odd dance partners, hmm. but their connection could save lives. Okay. Lori Pierce's teenage daughter died four years ago as Garrett Leopold was waiting in a hospital for a heart transplant. Amanda Pierce's heart was a match, and Leopold and Amanda's families have been connected ever since. So next weekend in Tampa, Mm -hmm. Lori and Garrett say they will dance together at a benefit for the American Heart Association to raise money and hopefully just maybe some awareness of the need for organ donation. Oh, my. Gee whiz. Those are fantastic stories, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, that's a goose bumper. Yeah, it really is. I've got another one for you. Okay. A cab driver is being hailed for helping a police officer. A Tampa police officer was investigating a complaint at an Econo Lodge near the Raymond James Stadium on Wednesday when he says a suspect attacked him. Cab driver Ray Freeman happened by and helped subdue 18-year-old Luis Vila III so the officer could make the arrest. Vila is facing charges that include assault and battery on a police officer. So just another... Regular Joe, cab driver out doing their job and stops to help save the day. You got to love that. And speaking of cops, apparently no one is above the law and an Oklahoma City police chief is proving it. The city of Sperry's police chief, Justin Birch, was caught on camera going 20 miles per hour over the speed limit. He since apologized to the community Mm -hmm. and has written himself a ticket. There you go. The chief says the ticket will cost about $300. This is the part I like about the story is the honesty, Mm -hmm. where Birch says he's not sure he would have issued himself a ticket if he hadn't been caught on camera. Uh Uh-huh. Kudos. Yeah, really great stuff. Man, you were got a boatload of great news here on a Friday. Well, it is a Friday. It'll launch us into the weekend That's just the right. way we need to exactly. go. Exactly. We've got rain in the forecast over yeah. the weekend. We've got beautiful days up until then, and it is Friday. And in a moment, the Bud Man's got, I can't match all the good news, but I got one of these, gee whiz, I didn't know that story. Oh, no, that's a great story, Bud. That I have been wanting to ask you about that since I got in at 4.30 this morning and I saw it on the rundown. Yeah. It's a really, you got to tune in. Anyone with a patriotic heart or a love of trivia will be so interested in what Bud's going to bring you. And a love of Florida. It all comes together in our next story, okay? And, um... 
It has to do with something that you will see on every coin or every bill, every bit of money in your pocket. And uh, our Floridian is responsible for those words, Mm -hmm. and we'll share it here in a moment. All right, Deb, thank you so much. You're welcome. Good morning, uh, Orlando. From the Frontgate Realty Studio, we continue. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com, Yaffe in the control room, and we are ready to go with this fantastic story. You don't want to miss it here in just a moment. I read so much in prep for this show. Every once in a while, I run into something, and I say, I just got to share this. Because I had no idea, and I'm about to do that. I hope you'll stay with me for this story. Uh, we'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I just found out that a Floridian is directly responsible for In God We Trust appearing on all of our money. I never knew this before, and I think it's a fascinating story. And it concerns the longest serving. House of Representatives member in Florida history, the late Charles Bennett, who's a Democrat from North Florida up along the first coast by Jacksonville, first elected in 1948 and um, was in Congress until he decided not to run at an advanced age in 1992. In God We Trust was a Florida congressman's lasting legacy, the late congressman, Charles Bennett. That's the headline in Sunshine State News in an article I was reading yesterday while prepping for the show. And I just ran into it and I says, wait a minute, let me take a look at that. And here is what is written. Bennett's biggest legacy might well be making In God We Trust, which was already the motto of the state of Florida, the official motto of the United States. Back in 1955, Bennett sponsored the legislation making that phrase, in God we trust, the nation's motto, and ensuring ultimately when the legislation passed and was signed by then-President Dwight Eisenhower that it would appear on all American currency. It was Bennett who gravitated toward the motto which first appeared way back in 1814 in the lyrics to the Star-Spangled Banner written by Francis Scott Key. We only know and sing the first verse. There are four. Listen to the mention of In God We Trust in the final verse of the seldom-heard Star-Spangled Banner. From the final verse of the Star-Spangled Banner, and this be our motto, in God is our trust. The late Florida Congressman Charles Bennett was so taken with that, he proposed legislation to have, in God we trust, appear on all of American money. 
And it passed into law in 1956 with his leadership starting the next year, 1957, in God We Trust, started appearing on all the paper money and as well as our coins, and it has been that way ever since. Bennett took to the House floor, it is written, to make the case for his proposal. Nothing can be more certain than that our country was founded in a spiritual atmosphere and with a firm trust in God. Bennett went on. While the sentiment of trust in God is universal and timeless, these particular words, in God we trust, are indigenous to our country. Congress bought into it. President Eisenhower did too, signed it into law. In God we trust, on our money, ever since 1957. And a Floridian is directly responsible, the late congressman, Charles Bennett. That's one of those, gee whiz, I didn't know that stories, isn't it, Yaffe? Yeah, I had no idea. Really interesting. Neither did I. I knew that I could sign the law, but I had no idea about the Florida congressman who was directly responsible. And, of course, we had, in God we trust, is our state motto even before that. And it was a real natural, wasn't it? We're the only state that has that as a state motto, by the way, we can proudly say. More coming up here on the 50,000-watt front porch. Hope you enjoyed that. Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Been a busy, busy three hours. I'm telling you, we've been really going full bore ever since we took to the air at 6 o'clock. Um, and, Yaffe, we have a full recap that you do a beautiful job of putting together, along with providing the podcast of all three hours of Good Morning Orlando on the website at 1025wfla.com, keyword Budman. Yes, it's right there. You just click on the Good Morning Orlando tab at the top of the page. By the way, the podcast of my show from last night is also up on the website, so you can check that out at Beyond Reason blog page as well. Yeah, Yaffe was on in prime time last night, and um, always a great show, so check that out as well. Um, we had a live report from our News Radio 1025 uh, correspondent at the Foreign Desk on the situation in Paris with the terrorist attack that I just headlined a moment ago. We also gave you the very latest on what looks like a revived attempt to um, repeal and replace Obamacare uh, that could come to a vote in the House next week. That's what President Trump wants before he hits his 100 days. And uh, also, um, we're talking about tax reform as well. There is a, uh, a pitch by conservatives to the president saying, if you want to get something done, don't try to do all the tax reform, domestic tax cuts, et cetera, right away. It'll be too tough politically with Congress. Uh, cut the corporate tax rate should be easy to do and really jumpstart the economy. That would strengthen the president for everything else he wants to do. Now, we also talked about um, a constitutional amendment. Looks like it's going to wind up on the November 18, 2018 ballot here in, um, in Florida. And you will be able to vote on something that I will be voting for. And that is allowing convicted felons to vote after they have served their time for their crime. We're one of the few states where you can't get your voting rights back or it's extremely hard to do it. And uh, when you pay your debt to society, I made the case, and we had a lot of impassioned calls on both sides of this. You have paid your debt to society. That's it. And you should have all of your rights back. Um, we you had caught a, a lot of flack for that. I really did, Mike, but <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, it's absolutely right. It's absolutely right. And, and, and I believe it with all of my heart. And my analogy was this, and I find it very, very hard for, for anybody to disagree with this. 
that if I owe you $5,000, Jeffy, God forbid, and I pay you $5,000, I don't want you coming back and saying, yeah, but you still owe me more. No, I don't. We, we, we say you've paid your debt to society, okay? That's it. The debt's paid. You get your rights back, and that includes the right to vote. 47 states do it that way. It's about time for us to catch up. Also had some great creative thinking about what we do with all of these abandoned major anchor stores in our shopping malls as people move toward buying more and more online. And one brick-and-mortar store tanks after another. Your opportunity to win $1,000 on our Make Your Wallet Great Again contest at the top of the hour. Have a great weekend. Thanks so much. God bless you, and God bless America.